everybody. Welcome to Utterly Astounded, where eschatology meets current events meets real life. At least my regular real life at home here in Southern California. Well, welcome everybody. I am back with my friend Judy Gary, and we are going to continue our discussion about our wonderful title that we we just really love this title. <laughs> It hasn't always been this way. Things are changing. They've been changing. They've been changing rapidly. And we talked last time about how things are changing culturally and in society. And in this session, we are going to talk about the change in the environment and how we see things changing on the earth. And things have changed. They are changing. And just to remind you of our scripture, 2 Peter 3.3, know first of all that in the last days, mockers will come with their mocking, following after their own lusts and saying, where is the promise of his coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all continues just as it was from the beginning of creation. But they have not always been this way. You got to remember that, everybody. <laughs> they haven't always been this way. No. So, yep. So let's talk about that. Good. Let's talk about the environment. You sit and you look and you think, well, we're used to seeing the planet. Everything's, according to this, things have, uh, as, as Peter says, they're going to be talking about how nothing's changed in creation. I mean, since God made this earth, everything stayed the same. And I would have to say that's crazy talk. <laughs> My husband's a geologist, and I would have to. It, we talk about the Earth and the things all the time. We have great debates over it, and we've. It's f been fun to be married to a geologist because we do, do discuss all these things, because things haven't always been this way. And um, as you talk about prophecy and the return of the Lord, Jesus Himself says in in Luke twenty one eleven, right before the end, there are going to be great earthquakes. And in various places, there's going to be plagues and famines, terrors, and great signs from heaven. And that's environmental disaster to the max. So we should be kind of keyed into thinking we should expect to see that more and more. Because just like all of this context of prophecy that, that Jesus gave, it's like birth pangs increasing in intensity and frequency. So before Christ's return, there's going to be physical symptoms on the earth itself, the very ground itself. And though Christians, you know, we're never to worship the earth. But God did put the earth under our control to be stewards of the earth. And we are to cherish what God's made for us. But when sin entered the world, Adam, it says that with Adam, he told Adam that the creation was subject to futility. And he said that in Romans. It was subject to futility. And until the second coming, we can anticipate seeing more changes in the creation. And the, the creation itself is groaning, apparently, waiting for us to be redeemed. Right. The, can, I mean, I look outside and I think, it's so beautiful. I mean, this is, if this is a groan, doesn't it blow your mind to think what, what it's going to look like when the earth is cheering? It does. I mean, it does. when the earth is singing yeah. praises? I, I mean, I'm thinking, if this is a groan, uh, I, I'm in it because I really like the, the beautiful planet we have. Right. <laughs> God did a good <laughs> that job. That was meant to point us to, to Jesus. the creator. That's yeah. exactly right. So we see, he mentions earthquakes. He says uh, there'll be great earthquakes. And Dave said he, he's worked in, with earthquakes. It says actually in, in Psalm 104, 32, that God looks at the earth and it trembles. He touches the mountains and they smoke. I love that scripture. I know. It's kind of. All he has to do is look at them, and they, they'll just start shaking and quaking all over the place. 
I don't know. Were you around for the Northridge quake? I was. I was. And I was very close to the epicenter. What do you remember? I remember it sounding like a freight train was coming through the apartment. Wow. And it was four o'clock in the morning, if I remember, and it was pitch black. And so I was so startled and I got up and it just, the rumbling was so fierce. And then I just remember every single dish and glass in the kitchen breaking. The earth, the uh, refrigerator came out. Our toilet was lifted up from its foundation and slid across the bathroom. Wow. Wow. TVs came down. It was very, very intense. That is scary. And what was the number on that quake? Do you remember what it was? What the, it was the I believe seismic? it was... I think it was in the sixes. It was. I don't think it was a seven, it was but I big. think it was in the like six point five. When you're or sitting something. on top of a six point five or even a seven, I mean, it pretty well rocks your world, right? <laughs> Absolutely. <say> <laughs> so we see earthquakes in scripture. It's very interesting because they're usually associated with sin, a judgment for sin, which I found to be surprising. Because earthquakes, we think, well, that's a natural thing. We, you know, don't overreact. And I'm not saying. If you have an earthquake, that's because you're a sinner. Uh, but is it's a result of sin, and the planet is groaning. Right. And so we see that happening, and we see that in Psalm 16 and Isaiah 5 and Isaiah 13. It, there are many references to it being a result of, ju- it's a judgment of sorts on the planet. It was very interesting when I uh, was watching for increasing earthquakes, and Dave and I, early in our marriage, I would say, Dave, you're a geologist. Do you see earthquakes increasing? And he'd say, not really. He said, basically, it's just that we have better measuring techniques. That's why we're picking up more than we used to. Well, I don't know about that. And we would, <laughs> we would have debates on that. And some t- statistics are that in 1921, they could pick up big earthquakes. In 1921, major earthquakes, which would maybe be 6.0 or higher, uh, only seven of them were, were occur- occurred in the whole planet. Seven of wow. them in that year. And so that was interesting. And my husband, he, we would talk about, well, they're not really increasing. But now Dave has changed his, ter- his tone. He's definitely changed his mind over the last probably 25 or 30 years. Earthquakes are increasing in intensity and in number. So in 1921, we had seven major quakes, 6.0 or higher. But listen to the difference 100 years later here in 2021. We are currently on track to become a record-breaking year of major earthquakes and volcanoes on the planet. 42 major quakes, and that's of 7.0 and higher, have occurred in the first 65 days of this year. Imagine, 42. Until then, the largest annual total was from 2010 when there were 24 that were that big. But we've, we've doubled that in the last decade. For, it just we're getting it's huge. Things are happening, and volcanoes are ra- ramping up big time. This very year, since January twentieth, twenty twenty one, there have been recorded almost two thousand weak earthquakes, but earthquakes right in the Philippines. That's just in one spot of the globe. I mean, you can go. There are websites where you can go on and watch Quake Watch. You know, you can go on there and watch them happening all over the Earth. They're happening more and more, and every day they measure them and they have these charts, and it's pretty crazy That's stuff. That's astounding. It's going up, up, up. In 2011, 
there were 207 quakes, 6.0 or higher. But, I mean, think of it. Now, here we are 10 years later, and we have 42 in just 65 days that are 7.0. And, of course, we remember in 2011 the Fukushima Earth Net Nuclear Reactor quake in Japan that killed so many, 20,000 people died. That's so people, we have more population, so they're, they're dying, and there's more destruction that way, but just the sheer numbers of the quakes and their intensity is increasing. Right. It's enough to where even the USGS, they, the scientists all see a surge in volcanoes and in earthquakes are coming up, but they don't know. They think it's maybe just cyclical, maybe back in history before they were recording them, maybe something like this happened. And of course, we know they did. But we see right before the return of the Lord that Jesus says, watch out. When you see the earthquakes increasing, I'm at the door. Right. I think this is noteworthy. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> so I agree. I'm, even in my own home, I, I'm, I'm earthquake conscious. I use that quake tack. I mean, we're going to have some big ones here. Of course, we're living in California. I know. So we get extra big ones here yes, in we California. Do. You make no mistake. It's serious. You know. That's right. No, it absolutely is. Yeah. But, you know, we have in the environment, we have the earthquakes coming, and then there are plagues. And you say, well, plagues, you know, I mean, like the Black Plague, like the Bubonic Plague. Which still exists, by yeah. the way. And for all of you who don't know, the Bubonic Plague still exists right here, even in California. If you go out into the hills uh, in certain places, it's on um, squirrels. And it's on um, deer, I think, as well, and coyotes. And, of course, the fleas are the little insects that carry the bubonic plague. But you can get bitten by one of these fleas and get the plague. And we have about 12 cases a year in this country of bubonic plague. And it's kind of funny. It's not funny at all. <laughs> But it's, it's kind of funny to think, you know, you go in maybe to the doctor or the hospital or what have you when you're beginning to see the swelling in the bulbous on your, on your neck, right? And, and because it's not the first thing that the doctor is going to say. Right. He's not going to say, I think you have bubonic plague. I mean, he's going to have to go through a litany of things. It's not stunning it's, when you get no, it. No, but then you have to say, well, have you been out in the fields lately? Have you been in this area, the Northern California? I think it might be more predominant or like the Sears or what have you. But anyway, you should just, that's just for free, everybody. If you go out <laughs> and you get something, make sure you tell the doctor that you've been in a place that's outdoorsy because you could get something. But it's very true. And the thing that I think about in the last days is that the bubonic plague is easily cured if you catch it in time and you apply antibiotics. This is okay, that's easy, right? Mm -hmm. But when you think about the a society just falling apart and you think that medical care is not going to be that easy and you think that you know maybe China who makes all of our antibiotics is not going to give them to us anymore let's just say well you better learn to grow penicillin in a petri dish which you can apparently oh my gosh this is totally getting getting off but you know that's how they discovered it was mold in a pe mold on a on a I've got, Orange. I've got some right in my refrigerator right now. Oh, okay. See, yeah. you know, stock up. <laughs> stock up. Because that's going to be the problem 
in the end with the plagues, things we can easily cure, we will not be able to easily cure anymore. And mm -hmm. that's kind of the trajectory. I mean, you say, oh, but we can cure this, that, and the other. Well, if you have the supplies that you need to, or you if can. You, or if you qualify to get the supplies exactly. because your social credit score is good enough. Thank you. Yes, welcome to the um, America slash communist China slash et cetera. So that's precisely right. Mm -hmm. So, you know, get, get them while you can so, is the moral of the story. They do have an expiration date, don't they? It doesn't matter. Actually, <laughs> they say they're going to expire, but keep them cold and keep, keep them out of the sun. And a little is better than nothing. Right? Hey everybody have a nice day. Yeah. <laughs> And it's, it's terrible. That, these are the kinds of things that keep me up at night. And I look at pictures with people with bubonic plague and frostbite and smallpox. And yeah, you know, it's about to get crazy. So anyway, these are, these are terrors and great signs from heaven. I'm sorry. Right? I'm sh I'm, I shouldn't laugh. I'm just picturing you up all night worried about the bubonic plague. <laughs> That's why my husband thinks that, you know, he has to rein me in because I'm going, going nuts about the end times. But anyway, it's true. Plagues, continue. Judy, well, yeah. we saw plagues that... <laughs> well, let's talk about plagues. Yes, let's talk about them. <laughs> <Plagues>. Cheerio. <laughs> Have a nice day. Go out and enjoy. Take a walk. <laughs> but watch out for the plague. That's right. <laughs> you know, it's kind of, it's interesting. Used, used to be, like we're talking about a, a centralized geographic area where you might have more of the plague, for exactly. example. And it used to be that plagues were centralized in locale. However, once we started the international travel which was happening in the 1900s. Surprise! Then we started having pandemics. For example, the Spanish flu. Right. That was a plague. and I mean, we could, because a plague is defined as a, a pestilence and any deadly infectious malady. And it's interesting, when Jesus said there will be plagues coming in Luke 21, it was a plural. There were, there were many different kinds of plagues coming. And they would be coming in groups, and it would be deadly and infectious, infectious. Mm -hmm. and uh, it's, it's pestilence too, so it, it can be brought by lots of animals, who knows what. The Spanish flu in 1918, which was you know almost a, a century ago, roughly, it killed 50 million people worldwide, because people were starting to travel. But now, we can have a flu bug, like the Spanish flu, go around the whole world in 24 hours. Right. And so it, it's, uh, we're talking a global problem which of course leads us into a global solution. But you can see that the environment itself lends itself to, well, of course we have to have a global government because we've got to take care of plagues. Globally. Yes. Mm -hmm. We're all in this together. Yeah. Yes, we are. <laughs> yes. And so interesting. Plays right in to the yeah. world government right. and then the establishment of the Antichrist. So you see the environment itself for example, I had one of my daughters was in China a few years ago and was talking about how the the pollution there is astounding. I mean, we have to be careful. We can't have pollution, and that's one reason that we can make things cheaper and have them made in China because they don't care about pollution. But the problem is it just blows across to us because right. we all share the same air eventually. <laughs> <laughs> and so the it will need a global, pro, uh, global solution for the global problem. It's really interesting. And when Jesus said these plagues will be in various places, it means all sorts of lands, all, where you wouldn't even expect it. Um, places, you're going to, even the earthquakes, various pla places diverse. 
you would say, goodness gracious, how could there be like a big earthquake there? Or how could there be a plague in that place? I mean, there's nobody living there, but they will be all over the place. And so that's prophecy. Isn't that interesting? Because I know that that happens when you say, wow, exactly like you're saying. They don't have earthquakes, do they? Now, but I'm thinking of today. So you see that things did happen in the past, but not with great frequency. And people did die, and it was terrible, but we're seeing it happening at rapid fire pace now. Right, and, and that's if, always the, the difference. That's really the theme, yes. is that yes, all, the, all of these things have always happened in some form, but the theme is they're happening rapid fire now. And they're happening all over the world. Right. Jesus wasn't just talking to the church in America. He was talking to everyone around the world. Right. So we're seeing it around the world. Can you think of a plague that has hit recently that was pandemic-ish? Hmm. Does it start with a C? <laughs> Bingo! <laughs> Yeah, it's, right. it's, it's a, it was a man-made plague, right. but God allowed it. Right. And it has struck all over the planet. Right. Every, every continent has had it. I mean, everywhere. So we see that plagues are increasing. And the intensity of the plague is increasing, although I think it's, it's being overplayed. Let's just leave it there. Right. <laughs> uh, they're being, using this as a political agenda. But for an environmental problem, it's, it's changing, and they will use that for a political purpose. Absolutely. But we also see Jesus said there's going to be widespread famines. And um, the contemporary famines are not like the old famines. The famines of yesteryear were caused by droughts in certain parts of the world. For example, um, Jacob and his sons, they had, they had to go down to Egypt because there was a drought up where they were. And then there was a drought in Egypt, but okay, they had food. But that locale had a drought. The whole world wasn't in a drought just that locale. So a famine would be localized. But, but what we're seeing is going to happen is that um, in con- even though it's been constantly in certain locale, they're going to be in all different various places, you're going to have these famines popping up. What we're seeing now is that it isn't just a man-made locale. These are politically induced famines happening. And that's the way it's been since really the 60s, yeah, the 1960s. Um, in, for example, 1959 to 1961 was the greatest famine in world history recorded, and it was in China, and that was induced by the change in the politics there. Right, and it was it is it, politically induced. Um, most of the problems with plagues, according to the WorldData.org people, is that it's a result of totalitarian regimes taking over. And well, that's interesting, isn't it? Though. So Jesus said, be ready. And we see in the book of Revelation, one of the horsemen, a lot of it is going to be famine, famine. plague, mm-hmm, things mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. we're going to see that kicking in pretty fast at the beginning of the, re- of the book of Revelation, at tribulation. Right. In, 19, or in 2021, well, I, I say, well, are famines on the rise? And statistically, yes, they are. Uh, people are, the amount of famines are increasing but we, we had dealt with hunger quite well, uh, you know. We had. I thought yeah, so, too. We're doing well. Right. We're doing well. But mm-hmm. politically, people can't get the food. So those kinds of places are, you know, they're not getting food to the people who don't agree with their politics, right. basically. Right. But I remember watching a PBS special and thinking, wow, I always thought that worldwide famine had to do with there's not enough food. But that's not true. God filled the earth with food. Yes. There's plenty. And then they were saying, well, it's it's motivated by politics and government. That's the reason that the food is not getting to the people that need to get it. <laughs> yes, it's it's politically related. We see the environment, and you 
even in the environment, getting to the oil, everything, everything from the earth itself is used for political advantage by people who want to have power. Right. We see even people, though, it's fascinating to me. We can say climate change is responsible for all the problems in the world, which is, you know, has been certainly touted for the last decade or so. It's all about climate. We used to say global warming, but then when it wasn't getting hotter, it was actually getting cooler. They had to change it to global climate change. Right. They shift the agenda. Well, climate change happens all the time. Sure. It changes hour to hour where I live. Right. I mean, yeah, <laughs> so, I mean, exactly. It's always changing. Yes. But um, th- th- there are changes. That's true. But Jesus, that kind of goes along with what pro- prophecy has told us, what Jesus has told us. But what's interesting is that we are trying to play God even with the climate. We want to be our own gods. And there's a fascinating thing now. Farmers have known about this for quite a while. You can seed the clouds with, I think, silver iodide or something and have planes go up and seed the clouds and it will make it rain. If there's any moisture in a cloud, it it bonds with the molecules and makes them fall. Wow. Isn't that something? That's something. Yeah. Well, that just steals the water from the next guy down the the windpipe that was going to be getting the cloud passing over him. Right. You know, this afternoon. But there's a a very big thing happening now with... um, Bill Gates is, has a, a, a plan in place to block the sunlight. Right, I've heard about this. Yes, he wants to block the light because uh, so we can stop the earth from getting hot. <laughs> well, I'm thinking, yeah, but if you block the sunlight, I don't know if my bean plant's going to grow, and then right. we're really going to have a famine. Right, <laughs> right. I mean, to think that a famine like that would be uh, created because... Bill Gates decides to do something totally asinine like that <laughs> yeah. is just stunning to me. Like we're going to let some guy decide something like this and then interfere with our environment and our atmosphere yes. to that degree. That is madness. It is madness. They won't let us build a dam to save water because we don't want to hurt the fairy sh- shrimp or whatever it is. Right, there. right. But let's block the sunlight. Let's block the sunlight so that, well, so that, Judy doesn't get a sunburn. Right. Yeah, so I mean, whatever. that part would be good. Yeah. But so you can see that there are environmental changes, but it's going to, uh, it will actually exacerbate the widespread famine. How all of this is going to happen is, is environmental. It, it also is induced in, by other things going on in the environment as the day of Christ's return comes mm-hmm. closer. Mm-hmm. I was in LA during the riots this past summer and it was, crazy to me to watch people rioting and there's shootings and protests and that was the summer of 2020 and they're still going on right so like you said people are shooting guns around it's it's getting strange so fear is mounting of course we did add to it with be careful when you go for a walk you could get you could get the bubonic yeah you could yeah (laughs) be aware (laughs) but don't be afraid (laughs) exactly Right now, there's fear for our children's lives. I mean, they're going to meet a stranger who's going to do them in. And and those are valid fears. I'm not saying don't think about those things. But the fact that society has gotten to that point is a terror. And there's, um, I, they've made a rule now, you don't have to wear your mask. Woohoo! People are afraid to take their mask off. I know. And I've been asking around about that because it is, I'm startled by it. And I thought as soon as June 15th came that... Every mask would be off. Well, the next day I go to Trader Joe's and Ralph's, et cetera, and 90% of the people still had them on. 
And so I started asking, I was asking the teller, like, what, what, the cashier, what's going on? Why is, why is, hasn't anybody gotten the memo? What is the deal? I don't understand this. Well, the guy was saying, I just think they're used to it now. And now it's kind of hard to break the habit. And I thought, well, that's really silly. Hard to break the habit. You just take it off your face or you don't wear it. It's, it makes no sense. But the truth is people are fearful yes. and that is the problem. They're it's fear. incredibly fearful yeah. and there's so much more fear than there used to be. I agree with yes. that. And it's un, it's undue fear. Like, or even if, I mean, back when there were things like polio, right? I mean, I think yes. pe- people were very afraid of mm-hmm. polio, but polio would cr- cripple you. And there were reasons to be afraid of something like that to that degree, because that was really serious and yeah. you could not be able to walk. You yes. could lose your legs, but this is the flu. I'm it's a glorified flu. Now I say that saying, I know it's really bad and people have died from it, but I keep bringing this question up guys. It, it is just a flu though, still, and you have more chance of dying in a car accident when you drive to the store mm-hmm. than you do getting COVID in the store, probably. I mean, then getting it and dying from it is what I'm yes, saying. Statistically, for statistically, sure. for mm-hmm. sure. And the next thing I, I, I predict again, here's like my third prediction. It's going to get worse. The next one is going to be worse. And Whatever then, China is cooking up right now. Yeah. It's going to be worse than COVID. Well, I'm, China and everybody else and every, in the world. <laughs> exactly. It's not just China. It's going to be far worse. And so how are you going to react then? That's what mm-hmm. I keep thinking. If you're this way now with something like COVID, what are you going to do? We really need to deal deal with our fear. That's right. And understanding where it comes from, why we fear. And that's a whole nother topic. But fear is definitely our enemy and it will paralyze us. We're afraid over war. We're afraid over destruction, social unrest, rioting. We're afraid of everything. We're afraid to plan a trip. You know, think of all the terrible things that could happen if I go for a walk. Ah, <laughs> there's a lion outside. Right. It'll eat me. Right, you know, it's, right, it's right. And doesn't the scripture say, though, the wicked flee, though no one right. pursues, Correct. but the righteous are bold as a lion. Right. And I think that's true. We have to be that way. I think we do. There's also just this overriding fear as you look at the environment. The world is ending and climate change is going to kill us all. We're all going to die. Remember that girl, Greta, somebody? Yeah, uh, Greta Thunberg. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, she was on there um, with a trembling voice and angry at everybody for using hairspray in the 60s. I don't really understand it all, except th- the fear factor, it just ramps it up and everybody just goes into panic, full-on panic mode. Another thing, okay, so we've got, we've got here the widespread famine, terrors, plagues, you know, ma- this ought to make your day, you know, just the, the earthquakes. There's signs from heaven, and the signs from heaven, I think, are fascinating to me. Jesus said, watch out for those, and I remember as a kid, they were, we didn't see asteroids going, but once in a while we see a shooting star, that was a big deal, um, but nobody talked about asteroids and meteors very often, and in Revelation 8.8, 8, uh, the Lord tells us that there's going to be a great mountain of fire, a great mountain on fire that falls into the sea. And this is early in the tribulation. It will have, you know, if there's a great mountain on fire that falls in the sea, uh, it's going to have a ripple effect in the environment of pollution and all kinds of things and and tsunamis galore happening. It's very interesting because we never had really a lot of focus on asteroids, but they are increasing. As a matter of fact, in 2020, 64 asteroids went right by the planet. We didn't see them until they were gone. And they were, when I say right by the planet, they were within shorter distance 
than the moon is to us. No kidding. We, we saw them as we waved goodbye. <laughs> we right. said, oh, there goes one now. <laughs> so we saw that. Um, in in um, t- 2008, there were 11 of them. In 2013, there were 13 of them. But in 2020, there were 64 of them that flew by without us really so that being aware. Is a- Big jump. It's increase. a big, big jump. So when I read Revelation 8, 8, I'm thinking a great mountain of fire. Yep. That sounds like a mountain of fire because you sure know, they're, they're blazing when they come through our atmosphere. In Mark 13, 25, the Lord tells us the stars will be falling from heaven and powers that are in the heavens will be shaken. It's like, huh. It says men will be greatly fearful right. for what's coming at them. Right. And if people know about this asteroid coming at them, I'd say that's scary business. It would be terrifying, frankly. It would be. Yes, it would be. But I have to say, let me just encourage all of us that I don't think that would be a bad way to go. Because (laughs) if it, especially if it lands right on you, because you are incinerated immediately (laughs) and there's just no, there's no torture, there's no pain, there's no long drawn out death. You just go immediately. You know, we have to look on the sunny side we, of things. We do. <laughs> so this is crazy. I think the rapture will happen before this. This happens during the tribulation, that the, the, the great mountain of fire. Interesting. But if that happens during the, and this is the same great mountain of fire that falls on the earth, we would be in the tribulation at that point, which right. means uh, with uh, my pre-tribulation viewpoint of the rapture, we wouldn't see it. Wow. There will be signs in the heavens. Joel, in Joel, the Lord says, I will display wonders in the sky and the, and the, and the earth and blood, fire, and columns of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness, which would happen if there was a, sure. a, an, an asteroid of that size. Sure. The moon will be turned into blood before the great and awesome day of the Lord. Right. Have you ever heard of blood moons? Sure. Historically, with blood moons, there's usually one every two to three years maybe three to five in every decade. And that's historically. But since the year 2000, we are seeing 10 blood moons every decade. And it's starting to creep up. More and more blood moons. And you think, well, blood moons are interesting. And in Joel, he says there will be signs and the moon will turn to blood. Right. Now, whether those blood moons are an indication, I don't know. But they may be harbingers of something heading our way. I think they are. Wow. Then you look at what Jesus says there are going to be signs in the sea. He says in Luke 21, 25, and 26, there will be signs in the sun and moon and stars and on the earth dismay among nations. So you see a globalism there. The nations are dismayed. There's perplexity at the roaring of the sea and the waves. Men faint from fear and the expectation of things that are coming on the earth where the powers of the heavens will be shaken. So something's going on here. But he says there's perplexity because of the roaring of the sea and the waves. So I kind of backed up and dissected these different elements in the environment, the sea and the waves. Do we see anything happening Mm -hmm. there? We've been measuring tsunamis for 110 years, so we can see the trajectory of increase, which is a good thing. I'm not, I wasn't 110 years old, just saying. (laughs) But I have been even seeing it in my lifetime. Between 1900 and 1950, just in the last century, that 50-year span, the first half, there were five tsunamis worldwide that, that were destructive, that they would call destructive. Between 1950 and the year 2000, that number doubled in that 50-year span. There were 10 more. So you see it doubling, and you think, well, okay. 
But now we see something very different. Between 2000 and 2010, there were already five, five of them. In 10 years, we see as many increasing as in the first 50 years of the 1900s. It's definitely increasing. Wow. Really at an astronomical rate. Right, right. And we see increasing tides and rising seas deported, that, that the government has reported on their websites. For example, between 1900 1992, the global sea levels would rise basically three to five inches every 92 years. Three to five inches. But now, since 1992 to, to, 19, or to 2017, in 25 years, it rose three inches. Instead of taking 92 years to reach three inches of increase, it happened in 25 years. So that's speeding it's up as well. It's very well speeding up. And as I look at all of these environmental issues that Jesus brought to the forefront directly preceding his coming, I make two, I see two big problems. They're so glaring. And the problem that I see being like the elephant in the room is a politicalization of environmental changes. We were kind of talking about that. There will be power grabs and fears leading to global government because that will have to be the solution for right. all these environmental issues. And people across the world will agree because they'll be so fearful and right. they'll want solutions. So they'll say, whoever can solve this problem, we're going to look to. You'll be happy to put away your your independence, your, your personal liberties. You'll be happy to surrender your national identity just to get a solution to this thing that's scaring the tar out of you. That's right. The, if people become frightened enough, they will, they'll promise anything to somebody who says they'll save them. That's they'll, right. Whatever. They'll surrender. So the environmental problems require global solutions, and that just sets you up for the Antichrist rule. Right. There's a good, you know, a conglomerate of nations led by one man. Right. And then the other thing is people thinking, they look at the environment and see the problem and think they can actually change the environment, that they can change things, stopping earthquake. No one ever stops an earthquake. No, they don't. They can barely warn somebody. I mean, they've worked out how to warn you of tornadoes and hurricanes, et cetera, but you can't really warn about an earthquake, not directly before it happens. I mean, you just can say you live in earthquake country, but... They haven't figured out how to do that. Yeah. How are they going to figure out how to stop them? That's ridiculous. It's, it's very ridiculous. But here we have people stepping up and saying, I can help take care of that problem. Um, if you take Gaia worship, which became very predominant in the 60s, I remember the first TV commercial. It's not, not nice to fool Mother Nature. I don't mm -hmm. remember what the commercial was about, mm -hmm. but I remember mm -hmm. that. Uh, Mother Nature was, you know, this powerful little thing. But people started worshiping the earth. The Sierra Club in the 60s on our college campus wasn't worshiping the earth, but by the 70s, it was being worshiped right. as a living, breathing creature that you have to take care of, which we're all for that, but it is a God in its own right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so what's interesting now is that people are thinking they're gods and they're going to control the earth. And you can see it happening all around. Because the Lord says that since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, eternal power, and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood through what was made, so that people are without excuse. He's showing himself, and he's calling, he's yelling at people in catastrophes, 
environmental to turn to him. To turn to him. He's coming soon. Right. But professing to be wise, they become fools. And that's what we yeah. see all over. And in Romans 1.25, we worship and serve the creature or the created thing rather than the creator. Exactly. And I think of uh, God's response to Job, for instance, when he's questioning mm-hmm. God. And I always love his answer, God's answer. Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Who determined its measurements? Surely you know. Have you <laughs> commanded the morning sure. since your days began and caused the dawn to know its place? I mean, this is what he is saying to all of these people. Listen up, Bill Gates. Have you caused the dawn to know its place? <laughs> no, you have not. Yeah. God is in sovereign control of every drop of rain, every weather pattern. Jeremiah ten thirteen. when he utters his voice, there is a multitude of waters in the heavens and he causes the vapors to ascend from the ends of the earth. He mm-hmm. makes lightning for the rain. He mm-hmm. brings the wind yes. out of his treasuries. And when he wants to stop the sun, Bill Gates, he will do that. <laughs> An evolutionist, which I, I just love this truth. An evolutionist would say, for instance, you know, talking about most people that worship the earth and uh, mother nature and bow down to it are evolutionists. And they would say that we evolved from lower life forms, dismissing God. But it's funny that according to Job, the lower life forms are more evolved than the evolutionists. <laughs> Job 12, seven through nine says, but you now ask the beasts and let them teach you yeah. and the birds of the heaven and let them tell you <laughs> or speak to the earth and let it teach you and let the fish of the sea declare to you who among all these does not know that the hand of the Lord has done this. Mm-hmm. So the beasts and the fish and the animals and the earth, they know where they, they came from and are created, man is the one who seems to be confused. Yeah. And it's, I don't, you know, how many, what are, how, go on, it has many marches, climate change protests you want. You're not going to stop the earthquakes, <laughs> the tsunamis, the floods, the hurricanes. You've never been able to. You never will. And it's God who brings all these things about. He brings the asteroids. He does it all. He's in charge of everything. I love you bringing up those scriptures because those scriptures point that, that everything is crying out, Jesus is king. So we understand that that's the reason that this is happening because it's corrupt right now, but it will soon be, praise God, completely free yeah. and worshiping, like you said, Hallelujah. as creator. Oh, this is going to be so wonderful. It really is. I am so looking forward to this. So am I. So with all that we're talking about between asteroids and bubonic plague <laughs> and pestilences and the flu, fellow Christian, Again, like we said last session, look up because your redemption draws nigh. Yes. Right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. These are the days the prophets foretold, and they long to look into what we're seeing today. If they could have seen what you and I are seeing right in front of our noses, they would have just been turning cartwheels. Right. right. We get to see we it. We get to see it. And so we should say amen and Maranatha. Hallelujah. Right? <laughs> Maranatha, come quickly. Thank you, Judy. This has been just wonderful and a delight. And we even have another session to go. So I thank you so much for your time. And I look forward to speaking with you again. (laughs) Me too. (laughs) 